Welcome to the Kinky Cast, a sexually explicit podcast. If you are under 18 years of age, stop the podcast now. This is episode 209 of our weekly exploration in the kinky world of BDSM and alternative relationships. Views expressed are not representative of the management of the kinky cast. We welcome guests with opposing viewpoints. Today, we present Belly Holder on New Relationship Energy. Here are your hosts. Ah, it seems that since this is the four-year anniversary show, Woody and the Beast are getting drunk. Take it away, Billy Holder at Frolicon. So my name's Billy Holder, and I've been poly for a long time. <laughs> been poly identified since uh, looking back now through hindsight since high school. I had um, multiple girlfriends in high school. I was actively tried to take multiple people to prom together and. Where I went to high school in rural Mississippi, that was not a very positively received thing. <laughs> um, but I have traveled around now the last couple of years to different conferences all across the country and, and sharing my experiences. I'm not up here to tell you guys the one true way to do anything. This is the way I've done things, the mistakes that I have made, and things that I have learned across my journey. Things I share with you may or may not work for you. And if they don't, please don't burn me at the stake. <laughs> um, some you mentioned you had to look up what NRE is, so you're pretty new to to poly. NRE is new relationship energy. Uh, also, a lot of people call it falling in love. Um, the mono people usually experience it as the falling in love feeling when you start getting those warm fuzzies and feeling all that great confusing chemical mix up in your brain. That's what we refer to as NRE. It's that exciting time in the relationship when it's brand new. You're starting out on this new journey with a new person. Usually in in the monogamous world, that's scary, but it's not difficult as, as it is in the poly world. And when you're in a poly situation and you have other partners, NRE can affect everybody. It just doesn't affect the people who are falling in love to one another. NRE has fallout to other sides of your relationships. It can bring growth. It can bring trauma. It can bring heartache. And so those are some of the things I'd like to talk with you about today. Um, we're going to start off talking about the science of NRE and what happens inside our bodies and inside our brains when we fall in love or when we start in a new relationship. <clears throat> so I think I gave everybody a card. On that card is my blog. And you can find most of my classes, my texts and things like that on my blog if you go there. And this is one of the ones that you can find there. Um, I define it on my blog as the overwhelming rush of emotion when the new interest enters your life, NRE. That, that just rush of emotion that you have. Um, what, what happens when we fall in love? What are the chemicals in our brain doing? So we first thing that happens is we have a dopamine dump. Dopamine dumps into your brain and it gets really confusing. There are multiple stages of, of falling in love or, or NRE. And the first stage is lust. That's when that dopamine hits. And you're, you're feeling all of this new stuff. It's exciting. 
And this is probably one of the most dangerous times in a new relationship. Because you can run into all kinds of problems. You will forget things that you've remembered your entire life. You will forget that the person you've been dating or married to for the last 20 years, their birthday is this Sunday. And you will plan to do something with your new partner because you're excited about them. You're drunk. You're high on the chemicals in your brain. And um, this is one of those situations that can cause a lot of problems. I've, had, I've done it. Not necessarily the, well, yeah, the birthday. Forgot Lindsay's birthday. Yeah. Um, Lindsay is uh, one of my partners. Jeremy is one of my partners. Our other um, partner, my wife of a long time. We were, we've been married like 17, 18 years now, something like that. Um, she's at home with our 10-year-old daughter. So um, she was here earlier, so we're playing tag team. But um, that, that happens. You, you laugh, but it does happen. You can <laughs> forget. Has anybody ever experienced anything like that where you've forgotten something and if you haven't want to share, feel free to share your experience with us because we're all individuals and I'd like to have more stories. Sure. So my new relationship wanted me to take her and an old relationship with his friends now out to the club on this one day. It was the day before her birthday. So we, we brought her with, we made it special for her birthday, but that was an unfortunate afterthought, <laughs> not the first thought. The club is like my least favorite place in the world to be. Mm. <laughs> so this was not my favorite thing to do. And then he worked on my birthday. Oh. oh. And was your reason for saying yes to the, the new experience because of the new relationship energy that you were feeling, or was it just? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Not really. So. <laughs> yep, it happens. There's a lot of things like that that happen. So we play this game called Ingress, and I'm in a new relationship with Ingress. <laughs> and I have new relationship energy with Ingress. I've been playing Ingress for a little over six months. Well, right about six months now. And Ingress is exciting, and it's fun to play, and it's very addictive. <laughs> and I play it a lot more than I should. My, my point for bringing that up is you can have relationship energy, new relationship energy with things other than people. Video games. You can have uh, new relationship energy with your dog if you get a new animal. Think about something new that's come into your life that you've been excited about. Your new car. Anybody ever bought a new car and been like obsessed and just want to go drive for hours? You know, you're in a relationship with different things in your life and all of these things, the, the same process happens. It's just how we process it internally and identify it through our individual self. And recognizing it is part of the biggest issue that most people have because when you're high on dopamine you don't know that you're high on dopamine you don't and i i'm i use the word high because it's literally what you are studies have shown that when these chemicals dump into your brain you get the same euphoric high that you do from alcohol from marijuana from cocaine it's very similar to a cocaine high and I haven't ever done cocaine, but I've seen people who have, and they're pretty high. <laughs> In my blog, I do link to one of the studies that does compare dopamine high to the cocaine high. So if you want to go and look at that there, you can. So what happens when the dopamine dumps is it accesses your um, reward stimuli in your brain. 
the more you give positive out and you get that positive back, the more dopamine that's going to dump, the happier you're going to be. Many, many times we're really blind by the good feeling. And we're just going with the flow and we don't see the potential damages ahead. And it's good to have somebody on the outside. If you have a trusted friend or another partner, a lot of times I've heard it. And maybe we could see a show of hands of other people who've heard it when your partner might come in and say, hey, you're um, acting a little weird. <laughs> you're acting cuckoo. Are you, you're falling in love with this person. You're ignoring me. Has anybody ever heard that? You've said it, said it or heard it. Yeah, exactly. So that happens. And so just be aware that when they're saying that, they're not trying to be mean. It's one of these, I recognize what's happening to you, and I'm saying this out of love. And if you're the person saying that, try to say it. I'm saying this from a place of love. I understand what you're going through. But right now, I kind of need you to dial it back a little bit. (laughs) Or enjoy what you have, but don't forget I'm over here. You know, find your way to say it in a loving way to express what's going on. So kind of call them negative things. They're things that happen that don't give us positive results in our relationships. Some of those things that I, that I have here are the eagerness to do everything suggested, like we're talking about going to the club or going out to do something. The new person takes priority in our mind because they're new and we want to spend time with them. We want to get to know them. We want to experience them. It's not always intentional. A lot of times it's, un, it's non-intentional that we're doing this. We don't even realize we're doing it. We tend to be more willing to explore what's new, things we haven't done, or things we've wanted to do that our other partners maybe aren't as interested in doing. One of the things that happened with me was I, w- I wanted to go ziplining for a long time, like actually like harness zipline through the trees. It's been one of the things I've really wanted to do. And last year, the year before last, mm-hmm. for my birthday, Lindsay planned a surprise for me. I had no idea what it was. And we're driving all the way up in North Georgia. I'm like, what the hell are we going? And then I see the sign, North Georgia Canopy Tours. I'm like, oh my God, you're taking me ziplining. And I, you know, I had no idea. And that was something I'd always wanted to do. And I told her about it once. I, never, I didn't express it to Melissa because she is afraid of heights. She doesn't do heights. And so why would I want her to share that experience with me? She took me ziplining and now we've got to get Jeremy and everybody and we've got to go he's like yeah yeah he was actually kind of jealous that we went ziplining without him (laughs) when a new person asks us to do something and we're excited about it what's the best thing we can do what is something that we can do right then and there when they say hey do you want to go ziplining what's the first thing that our brain should do anybody Check the calendar. Calendar. And don't laugh at my spelling because I can't. I went to school in Mississippi, remember? I told you all that at the beginning. <laughs> um, I heard somebody say, check the calendar and, and check with others. Did I hear that one too? Yeah, check with other partners. What's some other things we could do? You could just go, okay. You could go, okay. <laughs> so check with partners, invite partners. How about... I've got one. Check in with yourself. Ooh. Is that really something that you want to do, or are you just doing it because of the new person? Self-check. Yeah, is that really something you want to do? Ziplining sounds like a lot of fun, 
But if you've never done it and you're not really sure about it, if you get out there and get in the harness and you're 50 feet above the trees and you're in the middle of the forest, there's no turning back. And at that point, if you are not having a good time, it's going to be a miserable experience for you and your partner. Probably a bad time to remember you're scared of heights. Yeah. How about have a conversation with everyone? Just sit down with everyone and say, I know it was a surprise. For me, it was a surprise birthday thing. I think it probably would have gone over a whole lot smoother and had better lasting effects with the way I handled things later on when a similar situation happened with one of my other partners had there been more conversation about it before it went down. But we all just assumed, and everybody knows what assume does, right? I don't need to say it. And me. (laughs) So there it is. The poly mantra word. Communicate. (laughs) We have to communicate. Hey, Lindsay is planning this surprise birthday trip for me. I have no idea what it is, but I said yes. I have no idea what I just consented to doing either. (laughs) It could be a donkey show. I don't know. (laughs) You know, but when I say that, it's kind of out of my hands to say what I'm doing, where we're going. You can come too, because I don't know what it is, and I'm not going to just blanketly invite the rest of my partner. So it's then the responsibility of the invitee to, to go out to those other people and say, hey, this is what we're doing. Please keep it a secret. You're welcome to come along if you want. And I think you know that shows that you're willing to talk. And that was really early, what, four or five months in our relationship? Three months in. So we were really drunk on NRE, the two of us. And we were spending a lot of time doing a lot of things together. So that was uh, that's a good one. So, and that brings me to being mindful about the time that you're spending and scheduling and talking. So, it's all good to schedule and talk, but if you're not aware of how much time you're spending with your new partner and your old partner or existing partner, not like old partner, existing partner <laughs> or partners are starting to feel a little neglected about that, they're likely to say, hey, you sure are spending a lot of time with this new person or hey, do you want to do something this weekend with me? Or they might be a little more passive-aggressive about it. Everybody's a little different, you know, and it would be nice to watch a movie with you. Kind of vague, right? But that is also an alarm for me now, learning this. I would like to watch a movie with you. Now tells me I have not been spending enough time with this person and I need to try to make a bigger effort to be more intentional about my time. We've gone to a system where we schedule date nights. Lindsay doesn't live in the house with us yet. I have a Tuesday night with Melissa, Thursday night with Lindsay, and then Lindsay sleeps over on Sunday nights as we're trying to acclimate the dog and the cats and the Lindsay and the Melissa and the Billy and the Jeremy and the Ashley and try to acclimate everybody into hopefully this summer moving Lindsay into the house. Dogs and the cats are the worst um, obstacle. Yes. And we're about to have chicken and turkey eggs, too. How big is your house? We have a six-bedroom, 5,000-square-foot house. So we have the ultimate poly house. Two acres of land. (laughs) We have plenty of room to add on. Two-car garage. plus a backyard for the dog to run around in. Yeah. We got a steal of a deal, too. South Atlanta got it for, like, 117. Yeah. I just ask because women tend to need their own nesting space. We all have our own bedrooms. Everyone has our own bedrooms. Mm-hmm. And Lindsay will have her own when she moves into. We, yeah, that's one of the things we did intentionally 
was our daughter has her own room. I have my own room. Melissa has her own room. Jeremy has his own room. We have extra rooms. Um, oh, okay. So you yeah. don't sleep in a room with your wife? Not every night. We trade up. She goes different places. If you want to see more about the dynamic on my blog, okay. there's an NBC News story. They came and did a two days, followed us around with cameras and microphones and made us realize we never want to be on reality TV. <laughs> <laughs> Ever, 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 ever. Um, there's a really good. There's a really good story there. If 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 you want to learn more about our family dynamic, yeah. But you can go to my blog and click the media coverage tab. Anybody have any tips, experiences that they've learned that they want to share? Um, multiple relationships starting at the same time is like a multiplier effect. Mary. So I've never experienced that personally. So have you? Oh, yeah. My husband went through a period where he had. Four or five relationships start within a two-month period. Wow. Kind of oh, wow. Various, like, turned into long-term or just play partners, but it was all all the things over a two-month period of time, which is pretty intense. But we got the, we would be talking through stuff, and he'd be like, so I'm going to go see A tomorrow night. I'm like, okay. And then maybe Thursday night I'm going to go see C. I'm like, okay. And then after the conversation, yeah. I'm like, so Monday night you're here, Tuesday night you're here, Wednesday night you're here, Thursday night you're here. When you home, <laughs> and, he, yep. and he, he just didn't have like he had all the energy and didn't put pieces together. But it was a huge multiplier effect because he was bringing in multiple new relationships all at once. Right. Wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> that brings up a good point too because I've been poly for a long time, but you know what? Every new relationship, the same things happen. Uh, you don't get numb to it. And it's you make some of the same mistakes. You're going to react in some of the same ways. You're going to have some of the same things come up that are issues time and time again. And it doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong as Polly. What it means is you're going through the same experience again. And you've learned how to navigate it once, or hopefully. And your partners have learned how to navigate through that once, hopefully. And maybe you can use your past experiences to help you get through this new one. I can tell you one experience is NRE in a long-distance relationship lasts a lot longer than NRE when you are in the same place. And I've experienced that one. Yeah, he and Melissa dated long-distance for two and a half years before he moved into the house. So what happened, and this from my perspective too, he would come up, he lived in Montgomery, and we lived up here. So it's, you know, every weekend, well, it started out as once a month. He would come up and visit. And then it was twice a month he would come up and visit. And then it was every weekend he was coming up and visiting. And we were going and doing all these things and going to these events and always going out. And one day he's like, comes up and goes, I don't want to do shit this weekend, okay, y'all? I just want to stay at the house. I want to be normal. I want to be like I'm part of the family and not some special thing that you have to entertain me all the time. And that was a huge breaking point in the relationship dynamic that – Wow, he actually wants to be part of this. He wants to be more than just the weekend lover, you know, and that was a huge part in the, that got us talking a couple of months after that about, okay, well, what about moving you up here? Can we find you a job? Can, you know, and next thing you know, bam, he moved you know, in. I rented the house in October, but did I even have a job at that point? I don't think we you had, had applied for the job. Had applied at that point, but the house wasn't any more expensive than the rent y'all already paying. So. It was actually a little less. Yeah. And we were in a 1,500-square-foot, three-bedroom house with three kids and three adults and three cats. 
We still lived in that house for another month after I moved up, and it felt like it took us like five months to get through the um, contract in the mm-hmm. house. But, you know, it, that was something that, that happened. And for me, it was like every weekend he would come up, and Melissa would devote all of her time to him. And I would kind of get felt like the babysitter, you know, that I had to go take care of the kids. I had to do all the chores and while they're out running around or, or we're all out running around. And then I'm the chauffeur and just driving people. And it, it got to be a very negative feeling for me. And we had to sit down and talk about it. And that was probably where we had one of our... You know, the last big knockdown drag out we had was after that concert. We went to- yeah, the one y'all went to in Alabama. Yeah, and I, So they went to a concert and invited me. And I said, no, y'all go have fun. Did I mean y'all go and have fun? No, I mean, I don't want to intrude on y'all's little trip, so go and have fun. I wanted to go to the concert. It was Hailstorm and um, uh, Avenged Sevenfold. Seven a whole bunch of really cool bands that we're going to see in a couple of weeks when we go to Florida. We tickets for him to come, and he said no, so we ended up giving his ticket away to somebody else. And I, I stayed at home, and I felt heartbroken, and I felt rejected, and I felt left out, and I was... But why did you turn down the ticket? Because I felt like I would be intruding on their time that they don't get to spend much of together you know and you were having empathy i was having empathy for their nre and i wanted to make sure they could share that time together and without me in the way and sometimes you have to stand up and say yeah i'll go with you sure it's hard to do that like when you went to rockville last year with us who we go to a lot of concerts now (laughs) it's scary well we were just shy of a year? Just shy of a year, yeah. And uh, I think our NRE, NRE was still pretty pretty strong. Mm-hmm. It was going to go and spend a whole weekend with Billy and Jeremy and Melissa, and we were all going to share a king bed and, you know, spend this entire weekend together. And I have some pretty severe anxiety problems. Mm-hmm. It was very scary for me, too, you know. But it was something that I was like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to go, and I'm hopefully going to be okay, and... Why was it scary, though? That was more my anxiety. Okay. But there was, all, there was also, at the time, a lot of friction between me and Melissa because of the NRE that Billy and I were experiencing and the way that she was feeling about it. And that started off as basically a birthday trip for me, too, because that was my birthday weekend. Uh, yep, and that was his birthday present for me. I said, hey, you know, he likes these, these bands and this concert thing, and we can make a family trip out of it and do something nice for his birthday and be in debt on credit cards for several months to a year afterwards and this is what we're doing again this year you know but this year we're going vip to hell with that general admission stuff and we're taking our daughter with us this year as well things are better this year for everybody we're all in a much better place our nre has really settled down you know something we've never actually talked about is the nre that you and i had because there was a, a time that jeremy and i were developing our relationship and while we're not a sexual partners we have a relationship we're live-ins we're going to call us brother husbands you know it's because basically what we are you have sister wives um and speaking of we haven't done anything in a long time no we haven't we need to do something well you said you wanted to go go we need to go shooting yes soon maybe when we get back from uh, rockville we can go maybe before that (laughs) um how do you explain your relationship to your child or do you she knows Everything that is age-appropriate for her to know at 10 years old. Uh, um, I have been in the picture since she was four years old. So. Yep. And Lindsay coming in now, you know, t- a year and a half, two years ago, Ashley is, <laughs> at one point, it said, it's like having a second mom. Uh, yeah. And in the NBC piece, she says, you know, 
I always have someone around. It doesn't matter. I'll always have someone there, and it's really great to know. Uh, sociologist Dr. Elizabeth Chef mm-hmm. has written a book about poly families, focusing on families with kids, and she talks about a lot of the kids' experiences in the yeah. book. It's Our family's on, in that book. Based on a 15-year longitudinal study she did. Yeah. It's pretty Younger neat. kids are more mm-hmm. okay with it, I think. Than yeah. The younger they're introduced to, the, the better. Basically. The better. Yeah, when, when Jeremy first came in, our middle child was in the angry teenager phase. Yeah. <laughs> and and he rebelled against us and used polyamory as an avenue to fight against us. Yeah. You know, and blame that. Our our being poly was the issue for that. And that was when we were going through a lot of the new changes coming into the family. So you, in a family dynamic, every person in there also <laughs> is building a new relationship. I mean, he has since come around and that is even since the NBC piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's come around to be more accepting as he's maturing a little bit and understanding that we're adults and we're going to do what we're going to do and <laughs> he can do what he wants to do and nobody's going to make him do anything. And he can't dictate to you what you're going to do. Right. That's a big thing. A lot of that is, is not even, it's not even necessarily sexual. Like you have just a group of adults in the household that doesn't have, like most of the, most of the interactions you have are going to be just, just, you know, right. germane interactions, yep. day-to-day stuff. Yep, exactly. So, so that stuff big is 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 very normal in in, in any context. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter whether or not you're poly or whatever. Right. You have those interactions to a group of adults that are behaving as adults, interacting with each other as peers, and then the children are in a in a in a different social role from everybody else, but. But they understand that the adults are peers and that the children are children. And yeah, they get it. It doesn't have to be. I mean, it's not like it's not like everybody's having an orgy all the time. It's, it's I mean, most of the time you're having just. That's another class. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually the class. After this, I'll talk a little bit about a conversation that I had with someone about that um, when we were investigated by DHS. So. Yeah. So we'll talk about that in my next class in the coming out because I had to come out to the Department of. Uh, Child services. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah, surprise. Um, being mindful, talking about time. We talked a little bit about kids and, and introducing them into it. Um, basically, if she asks a question, we tell her the answer. She even said, You know, I really like the other day I was <laughs> we were coming back from somewhere. She said, I really like the fact that y'all don't censor me. And I was like, Well, why would we? We want you to grow up and understand everything that's going on. She's, All my friends are so censored. You know, we can't even say the word the B word at school. I was like, what word? She's like, but. I was like, really? She's like, yeah. The other night we were sitting at the table and she was talking about something. They were doing something in health class or something and she was talking about no, no place. And I was like, you can say the word. You're a big girl. And she went, my vagina. I was like, yes, you said it. You're a big girl. You can say that word. So we don't censor her from things that you know, if she's ready for it, we're going to let her know about it. And the thing is, with her knowing that, she'll come and ask us about it. Mm-hmm. She doesn't wait for us to come to her. She'll come and ask us about it. And she's had both sides of the sex talk already because she's come and asked about it. Yep. And she has brought it up to us because we don't hide things. We don't restrict things from her. You know, how many 10-year-olds do you know that watch The Walking Dead? <laughs> um, but we try to raise her in that environment where it's it's also part of... Being poly is being open and honest in all things. And if we're hiding something from our kids, 
how honest can we honest can we say we are? I know, I know, I'm getting off topic, way off topic. Um, it's just I get tangented really easy, easily. So yes, squirrel. <laughs> Let me ask you guys this question: How many of you have ever said "I love you" to someone without actually checking in with yourself? before seeing if you actually feel that way. I have. I've said it back. I've said it first. Um, <laughs> I had a new uh, interest. We met at Atlanta Poly Weekend a couple years ago, and she was pretty cool, and but she was kind of weird and wasn't sure how I wanted to deal with her. And I was like, I don't think I want to... Yeah, they have a little bit more background than you guys do. So <laughs> I was like, I don't know. She's kind of... Out there. Out there a little bit. I don't know if I really want to go. Well, I met up with her again, and we something was different, and we clicked, and it's so like, yeah. just telling the whole story. This is frolic on. Yeah, we were right. <laughs> the, the orgy that we went to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the orgy. I forgot about that part. I was all caught up in NRE, and that part didn't stay. So we went to this party in Savannah, and it wound up being in, uh, basically a giant orgy and BDSM session with fire play and wax play and electric play and paddling and shower time. We all like went in this big group shower and bath, bubble bath time. It was really, really eclectic event. Um, it was a lot of fun. Um, it was like a mini frolicon. It really was in this woman's house. And she's here this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Yep, that was her party. <laughs> so yeah, I can attest to the fact that she is a sex-positive person. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, this person was there, and, and we started playing around, and one thing led to another. We ended up, you know, almost having full-on sex, but we didn't. I don't know why we didn't that night. We just didn't. It was... There was a lot of oral going around, and we were like... We had eight people on one bed. Queen-size bed. Yeah, a queen-size yes. bed. It was like a, like a Tetris cave. Yes. Yeah. So I was like trying to like maneuver, and everybody was like, oh, it's cool, we're going to watch out for you, your sprite ankle over here. And everybody else was over here. <laughs> it was really cool. So it was very positive, yeah. It was. It was. It was a lot of fun, actually. So we... That happened, and we're riding back from Savannah. I was like, I just don't know. That was a lot of fun, but I just don't know about her. She's, she and I have had some history in the past where we just haven't agreed on things. And some time went by, we chatted online, got emotions got to rolling, dopamine got to flowing, and we, we decided that she was going to come down for Lindsay's birthday. We threw a surprise, and a bunch of people came down from North Carolina, and of course, she wasn't fooled at all. She knew what was going on when she saw this big camper in the backyard that, you know, from friends of ours from North Carolina. Apparently, she knew about it because there's a mole. This person is there, and we spend the weekend together and hang out, and we really hit it off this time. I'm like, wow, I really make a strong, positive connection. Of course, so I thought. And she's getting ready to leave, and she says, hey, can I talk to you in your room for a second? So I was like, oh, what happened? Something went wrong. Something, you know, I'm like, oh, God. So she... We go in the room, and she comes up, she gives me a big hug, and she whispers in my ear, I love you. And my heart stopped, time stood still, and I was like, what do I say? Because I'd never had that happen before, because I wasn't sure. 
do I love this person? Do I not love this? And I, what did I do? I love you too. Maybe thank you is a better response, but I didn't know what to say. No one had ever told me, what do you say to someone when you're not sure that if you love them or not? That's nice. I know. <laughs> That's nice. I know. Thank you. These are all great things. So, <laughs> yeah, me too, because I love me too. <laughs> Yeah, that's <laughs> that started about a four-month relationship that didn't need to happen, and a trip to North Carolina that wound up being me coming back home and breaking up with her about three weeks later because I realized just how much our personal ideals don't mesh. That was one that when you when you told me that you had hooked up with her at the at the orgy, my response was. Her, <laughs> not because of anything against yeah. her, just because from what I know knew of her, it just didn't match. It just and couldn't make it work in my head. Mm-hmm. We were we were driving down to Savannah for this party that we didn't know was going to turn into an orgy, and he says, "Oh God, she's going to be there." <laughs> and you know, at that point in time, it should have been a, a you know a red flag. red flag in my mm-hmm. mind. I should have stopped back and said, "You know." Mm-hmm. You said this on the way down. That's a weird role to have, That's a weird role to have as... as exactly, because they don't know whether it's jealousy. Because right. Right. you that's have that little jealousy point. thing, mm-hmm. you have to be careful. Yeah, you do have to be careful. And um, one thing that happened that weekend of my birthday party, this is another thing that we can throw out about the MRE, is I'm pretty territorial and about bed space. Okay, so like if it's a bed that I'm sharing with somebody and there's something going on, I'm really, really particular about who I will sleep in the same bed with. So he comes to me, and this is my birthday party, and he says, Hey, can she sleep with us tonight? And I'm all like, Oh, bad move. <laughs> yeah, duh. This is my birthday party, and you're asking to have her spend the night with us in the bed. I don't. I barely know her, and it really ruined my evening. And it was one of those things where, you know, if the NRE hadn't been so high with Billy and the new interest, perhaps he would have, you know, stopped to think, oh, wait a second, this is probably not a good idea to ask Lindsay on her birthday. (laughs) Yeah. Any other day, it probably wouldn't have been a big deal to ask the question. To ask the question, I probably would have been like, "Mm, I don't know, but on my birthday, yeah, it was So, you know, these are all lessons that we take away and and things that we can use, you know, and like I said at the beginning, some of you came in a little later. I don't don't think I'm telling you that this is the one true way to do things because it's not. You're going to find your own ways and you're going to make your own mistakes, but hopefully you learn from them. You know, these are things like saying the L word. I'm going to use that as, as a move for personal growth. And how did I learn it? In NRE. So NRE can have good side effects for you for your relationships as well. Um, personal growth is one of those. You can use it to grow, to learn, to be a better person. Things I've learned through NRE have helped me in my job, in platonic relationships with friends, time management, the communication skills that you pick up. That You know, you have a new friend, a new neighbor moves in, you really click with them. That's a new relationship. You have to... We're not just talking about sexual, intimate relationships. You have a relationship with your boss. You get a new boss. You get NRE with your boss. It might be different. It's going to feel a little different, but you have a new relationship there that you're building. All of these skills we can 
we can learn. So let's talk about some of the more positive things that can happen for personal growth, mental growth, and for existing relationship growth. Those are three things that I kind of want to talk about. So on mental growth, some of the things that we can get on mental growth, we can learn new ways to communicate with ourselves, recognize NRE and what it does to us. Like I said, you're going to experience with every new relationship that you come across pretty much the same lust, attraction, and attachment. You're going to experience all three of those phases of, of relationship building. So in NRE, now that you know what it feels like and you're aware of the things that you do when you're in NRE, you can be a little more diligent about being cautious and not hurting your other relationships. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Objectively thinking about your emotions. So being able to step outside of yourself and say, why am I feeling this? If I could have stepped out of myself when she said, I love you, and gone, hmm, let me look at this from a big picture view. Do I really care about this person that much to say, I love you back? To look at that trip to go ziplining. Look at that objectively and say, hey, maybe everybody would like to go do something together instead of me running off and going and doing this or whatever it, the case may be. Can also open our minds to different ways of thinking about things because if a partner comes to us, gives us a, an a, a example of something we did that maybe we didn't realize, oh, hey, now I know. Put that in the box. I can maybe remember that. Or say, if you see me doing that again, can you please gently remind me that I am acting in a messed up state of mind? <laughs> That's a really good one. Your partners will help you if you ask them to. But if you don't engage them actively, they're probably going to let you make mistakes because they don't know that you want want their help. And sometimes they just can't. Sometimes they just can't say anything because they're afraid of hurting your feelings or hurting your new partner's feelings or getting in the way. Sounding jealousy. Yeah, sounding jealousy. Do you have rules set up with your existing partners, though, before you bring in... Someone new? Um, our rule structure is pretty standard and common, I guess. We have to meet. You have to get know the person. At one time, I had a rule that my partners had to get along with the other people that I... But you, you can't dictate that to someone. You can't say, you have to get along with somebody I want to date. Because what if they don't? And ultimately, we're doing what's right for ourselves and what's good for us as individuals doing that in each relationship that we have makes that a positive relationship. So shy away from rules in general. The only place it really comes into play for us is inviting somebody new into our home more than anything. Yeah. Inviting someone new into the home or sexual contact. You always have safe sex conversation that that's a, you have to have this. If you don't just real quick, I want to touch on that because we recently had an experience where I thought I had had a safer sex conversation with someone that I was slept with but it wasn't the same safer sex conversation that my partners thought it was. They, my partners expected a more detailed conversation to be had with them and with the other person before. Whereas I was, hey, here's my test results. Here's your test results. Okay, we're good to go. Whereas they wanted to be a little more informed before 
history and stuff like that. But this was at a conference out of town, and it was one of those NRE moments where, hey, I'm feeling good. You want to do this? I want to do this. Let's talk about sex. So we talked about it. I did it, and then I came back, and I told them what I'd done, and they were like, I wish you would have talked to us before you did that. I was like, but we did talk about it, and you said as long as I was, you know, that's not what we meant. So being on the same page is is really important because I thought it was one thing. The situation was the person actually had a positive STI result, and I took the necessary precautions. I did the things that I thought was responsible enough to do. However, in that case, they wished I would have informed them prior to engaging, even taking in all the safe sex practices that I could. Because of the because of the, flag? Yeah. Just because they would have liked to have known the risk. Yes, they told me. They were honest with me about it, and they told me. And I took the precautions that I thought were most appropriate for me to protect myself and my other relationships. There's more to it than that, and... There always is. Yeah, exactly. Because there wasn't a very straightforward conversation in the case because there was a specific, because this specific instance caused friction both with me and Billy and also with Billy and Melissa. And I can't speak to that, but I can speak to, to what happened with me. Um, it was pretty much the same thing. Well, we had never had a direct, what would we do if we wanted to have sex with somebody that was STI positive? It was one of those where it was just case by case. These people were new in our relationships. Yeah. I had started dating somebody, um, I guess it was last September, and um, Billy and I talked about that specific situation, which he thought meant that that was the overall talk for all STIs and all things when really all it was was him asking me, so did this couple that you're dating have uh, clean STIs? Uh, you know, have they been chest tested? Are you using condoms? That sort of thing. And it was like, to me, that was questions about that specific relationship, not something that was overall broad reaching. So there was never a standard put in place of, you know, if you wanted to have sex with somebody that had an STI, what would that mean? Right. So in my case, it was one of those where it's less like, okay, no, you can't do that. And more of, if you have um, sexual contact with somebody that has an STI, understand that that means that I may need to reinstitute barriers in our relationship. And that's going to be emotionally damaging for me because I see the fluid bonding as an emotional connection as opposed, you know, in addition to, you know, just, you know. The, the sexual well, side effect or the STIs that go with that. The word fluid bonding is really broad also. It, yeah, exactly, exactly. But it's one of those where these specific implications and these specific, um, you know, things were not directly discussed. There was a very generic conversation and there was never, you know, a conversation of these are the my boundaries and these are the things that I'm going to have to do to protect myself. So if I had said, hey, Billy... If you have sexual contact with somebody that has these STIs for my own health and safety, I'm going to have to reinstitute these things that's going to hurt me emotionally. Then he would have been more informed when he went in to make that decision. Instead, he made the decision. He came back and said, this is what happened. And then I had to deal with, well, what do I do now? What is my, you know, response to this? Do I have to remove something that I see as an important aspect of our sexual relationship because you made a spur of the moment decision in our So in this instance, you would have rather him 
once he found this out and they were moving in that direction, phoned you and said, this is about to happen. At the time. Yeah. But if we had had a conversation beforehand, right. we actually had one after that where we discussed, okay, these are the, this is, you know, the outcome. If you do these things and you don't do these things, then I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Okay. Um, and then, you know, if it's certain STIs, then I'm going to be a little bit more hesitant. But in this case, it was he followed safer sex you know, protocol, he had the conversation with her, she was up front about everything with him, and in that case, I would have been okay with it, but because we hadn't had the conversation beforehand, that was the problem for me. I got you. Yeah. Sure. I, just, I was going to say, like, what, was it five years ago now, I dated a woman who yeah. had a um, STI, she was up front about it, told us about it, we had a specific conversation about that before things moved any farther, mm-hmm. with me and her. <clears throat> yeah. And I guess my experience with that was when we had those specific conversations, my mind was, okay, so this is the, this is the overall protocol. This is what I do in this case. If it's a low-risk STI and I take the positive, sex-positive and safer sex practices into, you know, and, and use protection, and then I'm okay. Whereas it was perceived on the other side as this was a one-case instance and – so knowing where you are and remembering your partners when your <laughs> head ain't screwed on right. Yes. Okay. So all those events in the past, today's a new day. You gather your family together and say, we're going to have the broad STI talk. For all things happening in the future, does it still require special attention on a similar situation? Yeah, that's something we haven't talked about. We had the talk, but we never really said. I think what we our thing came down to: if it's this list and you do these things, then I'm okay with this. But if it's these other ones, even if this is in place, I'm really not comfortable with those. Basically, a little flow chart, you know. Does it squeak? Yes. Is it supposed to? No. WD forty. Then you have to make the decision: is it worth a piece of ass or a piece of rock? To lose your family and lose... Exactly, and lose that dynamic. And that, you know, not knowing that that was actually part of the situation or the fallout that could have happened, because here I'm thinking we, we're good to go. You know, and the person that I had sex with even said, are you sure this is okay? You've talked to everyone. I was like, we've had the talk, yeah. As far as I was concerned or thought, we were good to go. Rocket ship's ready to launch, you know, and... <laughs> That has helped me grow as a person. And it all happened through NRE. Had I not been experiencing NRE, that, then we might still, to this day, not had that conversation that we needed to have in a relationship. And now I know that that conversation needs to specifically happen. It needs to be stated up front. And you don't wait until something happens to have these conversations. <laughs> yeah. Proactive yep. Exactly. Proactive. Be proactive. Exactly. So one of the other positive things that can happen in, in, in personal growth is you can experience new things, things that you never thought you'd get to do, things you never thought you'd want to do. Because sometimes when you're in RE, you will do things because your other partner, your new partner wants to do them. Maybe you've been on the fence about it. You're not sure. Like going to the masquerade for a rock concert. <laughs> I've always heard that that place is like a really bad dive bar. And yeah, it is. And I had been on the fence about going. But we came back from Rockville and I saw that one of the bands I saw there that was really cool was like 
going to be playing that Wednesday night when we got back. And it's like, hey, you want to go see him? She's like, sure. I was more willing to go because she had been there. She knew the place, knew the experience. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I was more willing to try something new. Yeah. Um, has anybody else ever tried anything new just because their partner wanted to? New food? Yeah, I've done that. I never tried tofu until I met Lindsay. Now I grill it and barbecue it, and it's really, really yummy. I didn't play WoW until I met I wouldn't have started playing Ingress if Melissa hadn't have said started playing it. I was like, what are you playing? She's like, it's this game called Ingress, and she turned me on to it. I was like, hey, it's something we can do together, and now everybody in the family does it. <laughs> so... And I have one of that, too. Maybe that it's an opportunity to do something that you've wanted to do that you hadn't previously. Um, when I met Billy, I had been in a long-term relationship. I had a live-in partner. And he was very uh, pacifist, let's put it that way. I had already always had an interest in going and learning how to shoot. And I wanted to buy a handgun and learn how to shoot and all that. And he was very, I don't know about guns, and I'm not so sure about that. So it was one of those where I was like, oh, well, I guess I won't. But then... I met Billy, and he has concealed carry, and he, you know, takes his weapon everywhere with him, and I was like, you know, this is the excellent opportunity for me to finally have somebody to take me to the shooting range, Mm -hmm. so that I can see if this is something that I want to do. Whereas my existing partner was very much, I'm not sure I want you to buy a gun and have a gun in my house at the time, so. And the outcome is... I now have a concealed carry permit. And I don't. <laughs> are, you, are you still with the other partner? No. Okay. No. But that's totally unrelated. To right. Well, I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah. To the story of you, you guys were already kind of not really relating as well at that point, would you say? Well, um, that was just one thing in particular. Okay. That actually didn't have a whole lot to do with the relationship dynamic there. With him, it was a severe lack of maturity and basically being a man-child that I felt like I had to take care of, and it created an imbalance of power, and that was ultimately what ended that relationship. So, uh, It can also be a good thing to re-engage with an existing partner. Like you said, with WOW. You know, with gave you that re- reconnection with your existing partner that you already had. Um, Melissa and I have gone through phases where we've connected over new things, and you had things with Brian that, you know, you would reconnect and find a new shared experience. Are you going to cover what immediately follows NRE? <laughs> so the the lust phase is NRE. That's when you're really heavy in lust. And then you have the acceptance, acceptance attraction, or attachment. Attraction is kind of what we're talking about now where we're doing new things and sharing experiences together. And then the final is the attachment, where you decide that this is a committed relationship and you're going to go forward and when to make that decision. And hmm? the, Yeah, the oxytocin. When, when the dopamine starts backing off and oxytocin starts dumping in and you start feeling like this is somebody that I can have a solid, committed relationship with, you know? And the six-month period? You know... It's kind of funny because people ask me that all the time in this class. How long does NRE last? Till it burns out. Till it's gone. And that's it honestly four years. Yeah. yeah. Um, Lindsay and I, it's starting to taper off. I'd say it was about a year. About a year is how long it lasts. Melissa, so we said like two days a month at first. Mm-hmm. And each time you got back together, yeah. it was new NRE. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it was and it a rush of NRE. It was a month load of NRE, yeah, right. you know, dumped in. So if you, you know, the general idea of. Yeah. 
Yeah, six months to six to eight months seems to be about the consensus with everybody that I've talked to. But there's no real, you're going to be an NRE for six months, and then you're going to have this fantastic relationship afterwards. There's no science behind that, and I, I couldn't I couldn't say it. Some people tell us when like the story you tell before, when the NRE wears off, there's no relationship left to have. Yeah, sometimes that happens. <laughs> there are people that live that. Yeah. Yep, and I call those people love junkies. Yeah, I call them love junkies because they just stay high on love all the time. Well, I'm high on love all the time, but I like a long relationship. There you go. I call the whole oxytocin phase the old relationship energy. Getting to do something you're comfortable with, you know each other, and it's the comfortable shoe, but it's also the ones you pull out of the closet once in a while. Go, oh, those are really cool. Yep, exactly. As far as that goes, who knows. <laughs> I'd like to think that I can establish NRE with my existing partners by introducing new things and, and having new shared experiences with them and maybe respark. You hear people all the time, respark that kindling of fire that you had when you first got together. That's what they're talking about is bringing back the NRE. You then know? you need to invent a new term for that, for the renewal. Yes. And I, and I have Re- an experience R-R-E. with that as well. When Billy and I got our relationship going, there was actually a spark in my relationship with um, the existing partner and I that reinvigorated our sex life at the time. And that was, you know, really good for a little while, but it was definitely related to the energy that I felt from the new relationship with Billy that caused that. Well, it increased your sexuality. Yes, exactly. So is there anything at all that we can do about NRE? Don't make major decisions during it. <laughs> yeah. But is there anything, you know, is there anything that we can do to prevent it from happening? No. What are some things that we can do when we feel NRE? We can accept it, acknowledge it, embrace it, enjoy it. Because NRE is a very, very powerful thing. Is it can be a very positive thing for all of your relationships. It really can. It can help you grow as an individual in all of your relationships. Accept, acknowledge, embrace, and enjoy. Okay, I'll have to add enjoy to my problems. I think you have to recognize, too, that it's harder to communicate with those who are involved in the NRE relationship. Yes. You know, because they're more apt to take up for or protect that new energy because it's mm-hmm. it's all fun and oh, glittery yeah. I and will it, defend right that new relationship. Oh no, I'm not spending more time with them. What are you talking about? No way. I've said it. You're you're just don't you, you, it happens. You're absolutely right. You're a lot more apt to defend that new relationship. One of the things that we've set up is especially early on in relationships, if it's date night or you're you're going out with a new partner, or you're going out with your existing partner. Be sure to communicate that to your other partner and say, hey, I'm going out on a date with this person. I'm going to be out of touch. Unless it's an emergency, please try not to contact me. Respect my time with them. Because if your new partner will respect the time with your existing partner, it goes a long way to build metamore relationships. Everybody know what a metamore is? No, a metamore is the lover of my lover. So Jeremy is Lindsay's metamore. In a kind of a way. Metamore. He's a metamore. Lindsay and Melissa are metamores. Jeremy and I are metamore-ish. I think we're a little closer than metamores. But um, so there's like 
Everybody get it? No. No? Okay. So here's a person dating A and dating B. A and B are not dating, but A and B are metamorphs. Yeah, they're the two endpoints of the V. Yes. Yep, and C is the hinge. It gets complex very fast. And so in that, you know, it's respect my time. Turn off the glowy screens. You know, don't call me unless it's an emergency or, you know, because I'm not going to answer. And if I don't answer, don't get your feelings hurt. No, I'm on a date with this person. Respect that time, please, because I'm trying to do what's right for this relationship as well. Something to, to think about, too, is, you know, you do all these random, silly new things with your new partner. Do those random, fun, silly things with your existing partner, too. The things that you did when you fell in love with each other, try to think back in what they were. My wife and I fell in love with each other at a science fiction convention 22 years ago. <laughs> we went back two years ago. It was our 20th reunion back to that convention in Biloxi called CoastCon. And I proposed to her at that conference, at that convention, in the trees that don't exist anymore, thanks to Hurricane Katrina. But I took her out on the dance floor, and she had a broken ankle. And I, I pulled her out on the dance floor in a chair. I got down on one knee and reprofessed how much I cared about her. Because, and I had the DJ play the song that we danced to, which was House of Pain's Jump. <laughs> Showing my age, okay? <laughs> so I was, you know? And with a broken angle. Well, you know. But um, it, it just was one of those things, you know. I tried to make that connection again with her there. The attachment phase is when you've decided that this is a, you want to try this. This is not just infatuation anymore. And you start calming down and your brain starts going into more of the oxytocin and less of the dopamine. And you start... They call oxytocin the cuddle, horm uh, the cuddle hormone, I believe. So you, that's when you start bringing people in and, and holding more and building. Um, that started for us about four or five months ago, I guess, when we started talking about moving Lindsay into the house and how we wanted to make an intentional family out of everybody. Every dynamic's different. I'm not saying that you're going to feel the attachment and then want these people to move into your house. Maybe you won't. <laughs> maybe you like them where they are. <laughs> but you're going to decide at some point, maybe, that and this... Okay and it is okay if you don't. And maybe they don't want to be moving into your house either. Maybe they like their solidarity in their little cave. <laughs> for, for me, one of the conditions of me moving in was that I had my own room. Mm -hmm. And that got us to talking about, wow, what if we all had our own space? <laughs> And what a freeing concept that was. I had no idea what it was like to have my own room. It was amazing. Yeah, I never had my own room, except for a few years in high school. And I was never there. You know, I was always out ratting the streets with my friends. So having that experience of having my own sacred space of privacy. I have my own bathroom. That's kind of special because nobody else in the house has their own bathroom. <laughs> My room is downstairs and everybody else is upstairs, you know, and it's, it's, it's nice. I can close off two doors in front of my room and I can't hear anything in the house. So mine overlooks the hot tub when it's running. Yeah, that's true. Yes. Uh, this is, I feel like it, most people are coming from a uh, perspective of a lot of experience with this, but uh, I don't have a lot of experience with it. So I, I'm curious about like first time, <coughs> sort of 
the difference between first time NRE. First time NRE in a poly situation? Or, or, or whatever. <clears throat> I mean, it's, we're, I mean, it's, it's sort of fluid. It's, it hasn't happened, so I don't really know. Okay. Um, have you ever been, and I'm not trying to be a smartass, just bear with me. Have you been in many monogamous relationships? Yeah. And you know that feeling, that, that warm, fuzzy, happy feeling? It's the exact same thing. <laughs> it just distracts you. It distracts you. I guess, yeah. I guess, what, what are some sort of gotchas with the first time with a be patient with each other? Holly. Yeah. 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 Communicate like nobody. Yeah. So there's a poly mantra. I don't know if you've heard this poly mantra. It's you might just be getting near talking kind of almost. Yeah. Yeah. Once you think you've said everything that there is to say, you can say it all again and not say it all. I mean, communicate, communicate, communicate. I think it's different with the DS relationship because uh, most submissives or slaves are always trying to please their dominer. You know, so a lot of times they get pulled into a situation that you know, they don't necessarily really want to be in, but they don't know how to say, right? You know, I don't want to. You know, state your boundaries. Exactly. You know, be clear of your intents. If your intention is to go out and hook up with people and have a lot of sexual relationships and maybe not make them long emotional bonding relationships, be upfront about that with your partners and the people that you're going out and, and hooking up with so that people don't get expectations. Expectations are the devil of polyamory. They are the thing that will rip your heart out, stomp on it, shove it back in upside down, and then tear it out again. And as much as you try, you cannot get rid of all expectations. Nope. I have a, a, a rule that for my expectations to keep them realistic. You can't eliminate expectations, but you can keep them realistic. Communicate. Realistic expectations. Oh, you got one? You need to know yourself. When I started relatively new to polyamory, I guess you could say, when I was with my existing partner, it was a decision we made to open up. And I had no idea the level that monogamous scripting would interfere with everything that was going on. Yes, in yes, yes. And the way that I just expected that things were going to go. So I had a lot of expectations about what relationships meant and how relationships were supposed to look. But on top of that, I didn't know myself what I wanted because I didn't know anything other than the relationship escalator. So it's one of those things that I would say that if you are beginning to look into polyamory and you want to spend a lot of time looking inward, what is it you want? What do you expect? What is it that you think that you need to get out of this? And be totally honest with yourself if you can. Because um, that's going to be very important. Because that's something that I didn't do. And it triggered some existing mental illness problems with my anxiety. And led to me being in a constant crisis state for about a year. <laughs> Before I finally got into therapy and got on medication and, and managed to get everything back under control. So that would just be one of the big things I'd say is make sure that you're spending time looking inward and saying, what do I want? What do I need? Yeah. The um, really 
you got a relationship with all these other people, but you also have a relationship with yourself, and you need to make sure you keep that relationship with yourself strong before you can really work on everybody else's. Yep. Just as important as all your Yep. And in some time, in some cases, it's more important. And I have told all of my partners, and this, this is another story I'll share with you some other time because we're almost out of time, that if you make me choose between the two of you, I am going to choose myself. Because I am not going to put one as a priority over the other. I'm going to choose what I think is best for me. And if that means that I go by myself or do X by myself or don't do it and the two of you go do it, then that's what it's going to be. Another thing, don't make assumptions or try not to make assumptions about what your partners may or may not be thinking, feeling, acting, reacting. Assumptions, know yourself, relationship with the self. Don't be afraid, ashamed, or concerned about going and talking to a therapist or a counselor. Somebody who's poly, poly. Somebody who's poly-minded, poly-friendly. There are more and more of them yeah. coming yeah. out. Yeah. We've, we've started a small list, and we're growing it as we can, of poly-friendly therapists. And if anybody knows any we don't have on our list, please let us know. Yeah. Um, there, are, there are a lot. Yeah. Uh, I've got one indicator. Yeah, the NCSF has a list of kink-aware professionals, and there are several on there. We have a lot of them that aren't. They're local to the Atlanta area that aren't on that list. I have a great one in Decatur. She's got one in Peachtree City. Um, Melissa's got one in Peachtree City. But We know of others as well. Therapy and counseling is not just for people who have mental illness. Sometimes you just need to talk to somebody about something, you know, not all of your friends aren't going to understand what you're going through. And many of them are going to turn around and go, well, if you just weren't poly, you wouldn't have these problems. Yeah, I would. I'd still have these problems because these are not necessarily poly problems. A lot of them can be me problems. And I have grown exponentially since I got into going and seeing a therapist every, every month just for an hour and saying, these are the things that are going on. How can I manage this? I want to thank each of you for your time today. It's been great. They're going to kick us out of here. Thank you. You have been listening to episode 209 of the Kinky Cast. For more information about this show, go to kinkycast.com. The Kinky Cast is a production of Rooster in the Round. On behalf of all our kinky crew, I'm Max. See you next week, when we present, Fluttery Girl, on Size Matters.